you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 19 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. If you do not have a Bible, then uh, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 904 in the Pew Bible. Page 904 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, then uh, please take that Pew Bible. That's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take it and use it, read it. Let it bless your life. Now today we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins as accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried and he was raised again on the third day as accordance to the Scriptures. As we celebrate, we need to remember that Satan and the secular culture around us, they're doing everything they can do to undermine our faith in the resurrection. The secular world focuses on the material things and has no category for the supernatural. Therefore, anyone who believes in the supernatural, anyone who believes in God and God's activity in the world, quite frankly, in the world's view, is they're just purely simpletons. There's no room at the intellectual table for anyone who believes such things. In the academy, if you don't hold... Uh, to the theory of evolution you have no seat at the intellectual table never mind that the evidence of an intelligent creator far outweighs the evidence of evolution if you don't hold evolution the theory of evolution as absolute fact there's no room for you at the table in fact, Brother Larry, many of you know Brother Larry, he just retired from the academy. Uh, of course, he was in music, so it didn't affect him as much. But we've had that conversation where he's, had, uh, he's been told by other professors there at the, the, sem at the uh, university there, those especially in the sciences, that he was just an absolute fool for believing in the resurrection. To believe such things is nonsense to the world and our culture. The same goes for the belief of, of the miraculous. If you dare to believe in the supernatural God who can and has acted in history and performed mirac miracles such as the resurrection, well, you're just unintelligent. You're ignorant. You shouldn't be heard. Thus, many scholars, many liberal scholars, some who even proclaim to be Christians, deny the resurrection. They say instead that uh, it was just, you know, Jesus resurrected in the hearts and the minds of his, his disciples. Right? They, he was resurrected in their actions and, and how they lived out their life, but he wasn't bodily resurrected. I was reading this week, and R.C. Sproul, who is a great spiritual hero of mine, but R.C. Sproul, as he was converted, his childhood pastor told him 
that if you believe in the resurrection, you're a fool. His pastor. There are those pastors out there who have bought into this liberal thought that there can be no actual bodily resurrection. Be careful who you listen to. But let us remember, according to the Scriptures, you cannot be saved. You cannot be a Christian and deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you're not a Christian. You can't be a Christian. It's essential to the gospel message. Now, over the course of the last couple of weeks, and I know many of you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, but uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks, we have considered in 1 Corinthians here, 1 Corinthians 1 through 11, Paul has shown us five evidences of the resurrection. Five evidence, uh, evidences of the resurrection. I'm just going to sum them up for you. First is the testimony of the church. The testimony of the church. There are are many of you here today you're a member of the church right and, and you have experienced the power of the gospel in your life you were changed you were transformed by the resurrecting the resurrecting power of jesus christ you you went from darkness to light you've experienced the power of the gospel in your life and for over 2,000 years now, people have experienced the power of the resurrection in their life. There's the testimony of the church, and what a powerful testimony it is. There's the testimony of Scripture. When you go back to the Old Testament, and we, we looked at some of those, when, when you go back to the Old Testament, all the Old Testament is getting us ready for Jesus. It's telling us about Jesus, and, and the Old Testament tells us that Jesus Christ would be the Son of God, would come and He would die for our sins, that He would go to the cross and die for us, bearing our burdens, bearing our sins, on Calvary's cross he would die for our sins he would be buried and he would be raised from the dead it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't have been a, a, a surprise for anybody in the first century that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead because old scripture test old scripture Old Testament scripture told them that was going to happen so it's the testimony of Scripture Third is the testimony of over 500 witnesses. 500 eyewitnesses. Paul tells us that there's over 500 people that in the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection from the grave until his ascension into heaven, sometime in there, there was a point where Jesus appeared to over 500 people. 500 people saw them with their own eyes and they could have testified to it. And as Paul was writing this letter to the church in Corinth, he was saying, and, and some of them are still alive today and you can go talk to them and, and don't take my word for it. Go, go talk to them and, and see what they experienced, see what they saw with their own eyes. So over 500 people 
testify to the actual bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, there was the testimony of a hostile witness. Paul himself was a hostile witness. He was an enemy of Christ, an enemy of the cross. He was out to destroy the church in the testimony of the gospel. And as he was on the Damascus road, headed to Damascus to imprison more Christians and, and lead them off to their deaths because of the testimony of the resurrection, something happened, something changed in his life. And what was that? He met Jesus. He saw the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. Instead of going to Damascus to, to have people murdered for their testimony of the resurrection, he began to preach the resurrection. Something changed in his life, and that change occurred when he saw the resurrected Jesus. And then there's the testimony of a common message. The common message. You know, Peter, Paul, John, all of them taught and preached the same message. They had different personalities. They had different ways of doing it, but they all had the same message. Now, in the world, you know, if you want to make a difference, right, you want to make a name for yourself, uh, you might come along and, and kind of preach things the way other people do it, but, but you're going to have to twist, make a twist to it, right? You've got to make it your own. You've got to make it your, your own message if you really want to make a name for yourself. But all of them preached the same message. Jesus Christ died for our sins on Calvary's cross. He was buried, and he was raised again. The message never changed. And for 2,000 years, that message has never changed. Oh, yeah, we may have multiple denominations because we can't, uh, we can't decide, you know, what the proper time of baptism is and, and all of these different things. We, we have difference of, of thoughts about spiritual gifts and all of those kinds of things. But you know what? When we become a Christians, no matter what denomination, we have a common message. The core message is the same for Presbyterians, for uh, Methodists, for Baptists alike. The message is the same. Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised again. There's the testimony of a common message. And now as Paul continues in this discussion, talking about the resurrection... He now takes us in this next paragraph to two devastating consequences of no resurrection. Two devastating consequences of no resurrection. If the resurrection hasn't occurred, if there is no such thing as a resurrection, there's some terrible consequences to that that we're faced with. And the overall message that we see here is that if there is no resurrection... There is absolutely no hope. No resurrection, no hope. That's it. The resurrection is what gives us hope. Hope to live this life. Hope of a better future. A hope of eternity. So today we consider those two devastating consequences if there is no resurrection. So as we, we get into this, if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please stand with me as we read our text, as we stand in reverence of God's holy word. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. As we look at our text this morning, we're reminded in the first sentence there that the problem there in Corinth is not that the church, the people in the church, don't believe in the resurrection of Christ. Their problem is they don't believe in the, the resurrection of the believers. Notice there at verse 12, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And see, that, that brings up all kinds of theological issues. If Christ hasn't been raised, then we got problems. Now you see, in the first century there, the, the people there at Corinth, they were dealing with platonic dualism. This, this theory put, put forth by the, the philosopher Plato and Platonic dualism basically believed that, there, that a human being is made up of, of two substances. There's the, the flesh substance, the, the material substance, the body. And then there's the spiritual substance. Now, in, Pluto, or, or, in, in, uh, in his view, in Platonic dualism, the idea of the flesh, the flesh is corrupted. The body is corrupted and is only a reflection of the perfection of the spirit. And so for that philosophy, the whole goal of mankind is to get rid of the body, right? You're living this life in the corrupted flesh, but to you know, elevate to the next level is to die and to be just perfect spirit. And so this was a philosophy that was among all of the Greeks, especially those in Corinth. They were buying into this philosophy. Now Paul comes along. He preaches Christ crucified and raised again. And some of them, well, the church there, they're saying, okay, well, all right. Christ died for our sins and was resurrected from the dead. But they didn't want to let go of that secular philosophy, right? They wanted to hold on to that old secular philosophy. It was familiar to them. And so they were saying that, uh, all right, well, we can give that Christ was resurrected from the dead, but 
you know, for us, we need to hold on to this idea of platonic dualism, and there is no such thing as a bodily resurrection from us. But Paul is coming in and saying, no, 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 you can't have it both ways. If, if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ is raised. And we see some of this same kind of mentality going in our world today, except for it's not platonic dualism. It's the, the idea of evolution, the theory of evolution, that, that we're just a body, right? We're just material. There's only the material. There's no supernatural. There's no existence after this life. And so we have to do away with all kinds of ideas of the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of our own body. And so our culture wants to wipe all of that out. We're just bodies. An accident of evolution. Something that just happened. But let me just tell you, if that's the way it is, then why do we carry on the way we do? Life has no purpose. Life has no meaning. We're just biding, biding our time here on this earth and we've got the grave to look forward to. All that's left is to be worm food. That's it. If this life is it. But praise be to God, Scripture tells us that, that life is more than just this life in the flesh. It's more because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised according to Scripture. Now, if we buy into this idea that there's no resurrection, well, here are the consequences of that. The first consequence of no resurrection, as Paul points out, is that gospel proclamation is useless. Gospel proclamation is useless. Me standing up here today, this is just a useless act. It's a useless activity that has no power whatsoever. Look at verse 13, or excuse me, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And this whole act, preaching of proclaiming the gospel it's vain it's empty that's what that word means vanity it, it means to be it, vacuous empty right there's no power in it it's just an empty message you think about this uh, the, uh, one time not too long ago i went out to my vehicle i got in my truck i put the key in the ignition i cranked i went to crank the truck and nothing right Click, 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 click. That, that was all I got out of it. The battery was dead. There was no power. At that moment, my truck was a useless hunk of metal. It served no purpose in my life. It was useless because it had no power. It served me no use. If the gospel is without power then it serves us no use. It's empty. It's useless. It's vanity of vanities. It's just empty breathing. But Scripture shows us something far more better than that. The gospel is not useless. It's not powerless. In fact, the gospel has great power. It has wonderful power to change and transform lives. 
the message that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and was raised according to Scripture, it has power. And many of you can testify to that power. You've experienced that power. Right? You were a heathen. You were doing your own thing, happy in your sin. You were living a life going the opposite way of God. And it was destroying you. It was destroying your family. You were on the path of destruction. But something happened. Something happened. You heard the message. You heard about what Jesus did for you. You heard about the resurrection, and in that moment, something changed in your life. Suddenly, you went from darkness to light. Suddenly, you went from the path of destruction to the path of hope. Suddenly, you went from being dead to God to being alive in Jesus Christ, and your life was completely transformed. Oh, there's power in the gospel. Now, maybe there are some here today or some listening online or whatever who've never experienced that power. You've heard the message, right? You, you've heard it preached, but, but nothing has ever changed. Well, my prayer today is that you wouldn't just receive the message as you would some kind of fact out of a textbook, but that you would receive it in your heart. Trust in Jesus. Surrender your life to Christ and experience the transforming power of the gospel in your own life today. Oh, there's power in the gospel. But let me tell you, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then the gospel is robbed of its power. There is no power. For it's the power of the resurrection, the power that raised Jesus from the dead that transforms our lives. But if the resurrection is not true, then... The gospel is empty. It's powerless. Second, the gospel proclamation is useless because Scripture is a lie. Scripture is a lie. Scripture is, is false. Notice what Paul says there, continuing on in verse 15. We, talking about the apostles, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Paul says we, are, we have even been found misrepresenting God. Now that's kind of, that's kind of taking it light there, that, that translation there, misrepresenting God. That word there for misrepresenting God there means to... to uh, it's a person who deliberately gives false testimony. It's a person, what Paul's saying here, if, if the resurrection is not true, then we, the apostles, we're misrepresenting God. We're giving false testimony about God. We're charlatans. We're swindlers. We're crooks. If the resurrection were not true they're misrepresenting God they're giving false testimony about Jesus Christ you know if the bodily resurrection of Jesus is not fact then we might as well throw this book in the trash because it's useless it's no good 
written by swindlers, written by charlatans who, who had nothing else in mind but to pull the wool over our eyes. It's no good. It's no use. So you get those who want to say, all right, there's no resurrection, but hey, there's some good stuff in this book, and that's not an option. That's not an option, right? C.S. Lewis once made this argument about Jesus. People who want to say that Jesus was a good man. He wasn't God. He wasn't resurrected, but he was a good man. No, that's not an option. Jesus doesn't give that option. Because Jesus said, I'm the Son of God. I'm here to die for your sins, and I'll be raised again. Jesus made his message plain and clear. You couldn't, couldn't misinterpret that. And so, understanding Jesus' message, Jesus is, is one of three things. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Good man is not an option. He's either a liar who, who willingly and willfully deceived people. He told a lie to deceive people. Or he was an absolute lunatic, believing that, but not really so, right? He was an absolute lunatic, or he was telling the truth, and he's Lord, who did what he said he did, was and is who he says he is. And the same can be said of the apostles. Those who want to say, well, they were good men, but they just kind of, you know, this resurrection thing, that, that was kind of just... Ah, they were off, off bounds there. No, 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 they don't give that option. They say, we saw it. We saw Jesus raised from the dead. So again, either the apostles are liars, lunatics, or they're faithful witnesses. There's no other option. So if there's no resurrection, then we can throw out everything that they wrote because they are the words of swindlers and charlatans, not the word of faithful, trustworthy men. But you know what? Here's another evidence of the truthfulness, the reliability of Scripture. You know, charlatans don't die for a lie. Charlatans do not die for a lie. Right? If a charlatan, if a swindler is trying to swindle you in any way to try to get something out of you, they're going to push it so far, but they're not going to be willing to die for that lie. Now, one of them might be crazy enough to do that, but 13? How about 500 plus? Die for a lie. And when you think about the apostles, now there were technically 13 apostles. There were the 12 who followed Jesus. You know, Judas uh, betrayed Jesus and he killed himself. And so they replaced him with Matthias. So there were 12 of the apostles who walked with Jesus. And then uh, God made Paul an apostle to the Gentiles. So 13 apostles all together, if you count that way. And, and so 13 apostles. And you know, all 13 of those apostles were persecuted, severely persecuted for their testimony that Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected from the dead. All 13, they were persecuted. They suffered stonings, beatings, imprisonments, uh, exiles. 
John was even boiled alive in a bat of oil. Right? They suffered tremendously for the testimony that Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead. All of them. Twelve of the thirteen died for their confession. They went to their grave and suffered a, a horrible death. Peter being crucified upside down along with his wife. Paul being beheaded others being torn apart by beasts all of them proclaiming Jesus Christ crucified for our sins raised again John alone was the only one who died of old age but again he was boiled alive in a bat of oil and then exiled to the island of Patmos so he died in exile because of his proclamation of Jesus Christ died for our sins and raised again of those 500 plus witnesses, many of them suffered the same fate. Many of them were persecuted. All of them were persecuted in their life for their testimony of Jesus Christ. And many of them suffered death because of their testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Charlatans don't do that. Charlatans don't die for a lie eventually somebody's come, going to come up and say, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. This was all good and great when I was getting something out of it, but now you're going to kill me for it? No, 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 it's deception. Here's what they did, right? Here's what the disciples did. They hid the body away or whatever, right? They, they, somebody along the way would say, no, nope, it was a lie. It was all baloney. It was all a ruse. But no one ever did. No one ever did. No one changed their story. It always remained the same. And person after person, apostle after apostle, witness after witness, went to their death proclaiming Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and raised again. Oh, Scripture's not a lie. Scripture is truth. It is truth. It defines what truth is. And you can trust the word of Holy Scripture. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised again. So if there is no resurrection, then the gospel proclamation is useless. Furthermore, faith in Christ is useless. If there's no resurrection, then faith in Jesus Christ is absolutely useless. Look what he says there in verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your faith is futile, and here's why, because you are still in your sins. You are still in your sins. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, your faith is absolutely useless because, dear friend, you are still in your sins. You are still under the penalty of your sins. You're still under the wrath of God for your sins. For Scripture tells us, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
all have sinned. Every single one of us have sinned against the holy God. We have broken his commandments. We have, have disobeyed him. We have gone our own way. We were at once enemies of God, not children of God. But if Christ is not raised, then we're still enemies of God. We're still in our sins. If Christ was not raised, then he did not win victory over our sins. And we all remain under the, the just penalty of our sins. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came in through the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We all disobey God. We live in disobedience against the holy God. As John MacArthur says, If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then sin won the victory over Christ, and therefore continues to be victorious over all men. If Jesus remained dead, then we, when we die, we too remain dead and damned. For the wages of sin is death. And if we remain dead, then death and eternal punishment are the only prospects of believers and unbelievers alike. If Christ was not raised from the dead, you are still in your sins, dear friend. You are still under the penalty of your sins. If there were no resurrection, we would remain dead in our trespasses and sins, and we would continue to be children of wrath like all the rest of mankind. There would be no hope. Furthermore, if Christ is not resurrected, then our faith is useless because even the dead in Christ have perished. Even the dead in Christ have perished. Notice what he says there in verse 14, or excuse me, 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep, that is, those who have passed away, those who have gone on, those who are dead in Christ, have perished. They have perished. Right? If, the, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then those who have gone on to be with the Lord, they're not with the Lord. They have perished. They're gone. At best, they're worm food. At worst, they're suffering eternal punishment for being enemies of God. If there's no resurrection... There's no comfort in mourning. There's only sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. There's no hope. If there's no erection, then all of, the, all of the saints who have gone on before, even the, the best of them, John Calvin, Martin Luther, Augustine, Brother Mac, Brother Turpin, Brother Revels, they've, they've all gone. They, they've, there's no hope. They've just perished. But praise be to God, we have hope. Praise be to God, in Jesus Christ, there's hope. As Paul concludes this, as Paul concludes this section here, he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, 
we are of all people most to be pitied. Right? If, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, if there's no hope of a resurrected life, then let the world pity us because we're in a sorry state. We're living like there's hope to come and there's no hope. We might as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And that's it. But in Christ there is hope. In Christ there is hope. In Christ there is eternal hope. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope. But as Paul goes on to the next paragraph, and I know we're not in the next paragraph, we'll be looking at that next week, but, but we've got to go on to a little part into the next paragraph. Look at verse 20. Paul says, but in fact, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He has been raised. Yeah, if he hasn't been raised, there is no hope. But the fact of the matter is, he has been raised. The evidence shows that he has been raised. All the testimony points to the fact that he has been raised. Oh, dear Christian, if Christ were not raised, then your faith would be useless. But in fact, Christ has been resurrected. We have the testimony of the church. We have the testimony of the scriptures. We have the testimony of 500 plus eyewitnesses. We have the testimony of Christ's enemies. And we have the testimony of this common message that proves the resurrection. And those are just a few. There's, there's many other evidences that we could pile on, on the pile here that point to the fact of the resurrection. Right? Christian hope is not blind hope. It's, it's hope backed up with, faith backed up with evidence, solid and conclusive evidence that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he said he did. He died on the cross for our sins. He was resurrected from the dead for our justification. Praise be to God, we can celebrate the resurrection today because Christ has risen. So we believe in the resurrection. Today we celebrated our participation in the death of Jesus Christ as we observe the Lord's Supper. By God's grace, through faith, we participate in His death because there on Calvary's cross, we were with Him in his death as our sins were upon his shoulders as he bore the penalty the wrath of God for our sin against the holy God we were with him and by God's grace through faith we participate with him in his death having him pay that penalty for us but we also celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our participation in His resurrection. Right? We are experiencing the resurrected life even now. Praise be to God. There's not a Christian, a true Christian in the world who, who, who hasn't experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in their lives. Their life has been changed from darkness to light. They're, they're not the same person they were before Christ. 
Right? If you're the same person today that you were the day before the day that you, you professed faith in Christ, I want to challenge you, examine your life. Did you truly believe? Because Scripture says that we experience the resurrected life now. God sends His Holy Spirit to indwell us and to, to change us, to make us a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old person has passed away. Behold, the new person, the new resurrected person has come. And in Jesus Christ, followers of Christ experience that resurrected life here and now in this life. But praise be to God, we have the resurrected life to look forward to as well. 1 John tells us that on that day when Christ returns, those who are in Christ will be caught up in the air and will see Jesus, will be resurrected to new life and will see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we'll become perfectly like Jesus. We'll become perfect physical specimens, right? Our physical body will be perfect just like Jesus' physical body is perfect. Our spirit will be perfect just as Jesus is perfect. Our morality will be perfect just like Jesus' morality is perfect. We'll be perfect in every way. Oh man, we look forward to that day. Oh, we say, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We're ready for that day. I'm I wish you would come right now. We look forward to a resurrected life to come. Because the resurrection happened. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He suffered for our sins. He was buried and he was resurrected from the dead. Proving that he paid the full penalty for our sins. There's nothing left for us to pay. He paid it all in our place. He was resurrected from the dead and he rules and reigns from heaven over his church. So I ask you today, friend, have you trusted in Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Oh, if you're here today and you have given your life to Jesus and you, you have assurance of the resurrected life in Christ Jesus, then today is a wonderful day of celebration. We rejoice. We celebrate. Like no other day we ought to celebrate our participation in Jesus Christ. We should celebrate the resurrection. But if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, maybe you even believe the facts, right? You, you believe that Jesus died on the cross. You believe that he was resurrected from the dead. But you've never trusted in Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to him. If the resurrection isn't a reality in your life, no resurrection, no hope. My plea to you today, dear friend, please turn to Jesus. Make the truth of the resurrection a reality in your life. Surrender to Christ today. And he'll change you. He will transform you. He will make you a new creation 
in Him if you'll only trust Him today. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of the resurrection. Lord, even as we have considered the consequences of no resurrection, Lord, we realize that without the resurrection, we have absolutely no hope in this world. As Christians, we would be the most to be pitied in all the world. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have proven to us the resurrection. You have given us plenty of, of testimony so that we may trust in the resurrection, put our faith in Christ, and know the power of that resurrection even in our own lives now. Oh Lord, we thank you and we celebrate today the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Lord, certainly there are those today who have never trusted in Jesus Maybe they've even gone to church their whole lives. They've heard all the stories. They, 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 they affirm the fact. But hey, even the demons affirm the fact. And they're going to go to hell and burn eternity in hell because they've never surrendered to Christ. Lord, I pray that there's those, though, for those who have never trusted in Jesus and surrendered to Christ as Lord of their life, Lord, turn their hearts today. Let the resurrection become a reality in their lives. Oh, Lord, let them find hope in Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.